for your money. And all the bitches with the fat asses in this This is a behavioral scientist, Tanola Oliver, and this is the Making of a Mogul podcast, where the dream is free, but the hustle, the hustle, the hustle, the hustle is sold separately. And so um, I told you all that I would, um, when I um, had the opportunity, I would jump back um, to the platform and um, just unpack the video that I seen of uh, Serena Williams and her daughter. And typically, um, I wouldn't do that, right? Because uh, it really is just an innocent video between a mom and a daughter. But I could not miss the opportunity based on just the political climate that we exist in now and um, how uh, social media really has shifted the trajectory of how we see ourselves in relation to others. And, um, we're in an age of, uh, clout chasing and, um, desiring to be reality stars and just so many, so many other dynamics, um, at work in just day-to-day interaction, that places a lot of unnecessary pressure on people. Um, So I wanted to talk about the video. So if you have not seen the video of Serena Williams and um, her daughter is four years old and I cannot think of her name. And um, the narrative is that Serena um, is looking very serious, right? And she's about to serve, serve the tennis ball and then she um, stands in position and then she looks up and her daughter is on the other side her daughter is the opponent and um, she's standing in a pose that is obviously not a sports pose Uh, she's just like she's a four-year-old and she's you know acting like a four-year-old and and um so then venus says something like um this is nuts or she's nuts or something and she walks away and so from what i understand um her daughter has been taking tennis lessons uh for several months now and um and so um but there's so many different constructs that I want to talk about, right? Um, and so I think on the last podcast, um, or one of the podcasts, recent podcasts, I talked about rules of engagement when meeting and seeing people in public spaces, right? And, um, 
And so um, the first construct that popped up in my mind is that you don't win awards for making an opponent who does not have, making a person who does not have um, a lateral skill set an opponent, right? Um, so just regular rules of engagement, right? Some of the things that we used to follow that were invisible rules of engagement um, have fallen away in just regular interaction in society and invisible constructs no longer exist because everybody wants to be, is it, um, Simba has a song, uh, Simba is a a rapper if you're not aware, Simba is a rapper out of, um, I believe out of the West Coast, and, um, and he has a song entitled The Goat. Everybody wants to be the goat. And he, he um, says everybody is the goat, right? And so, um, and he said, how do you make comparisons when certain people haven't competed against each other? And so um, it really would have been perfect had that song been playing in the background because it, they talk about the same um, social construct that I'm addressing um, and, and there's about three different ones, um, operating in that particular video. And really it's just an innocent video. Um, and, and typically I don't try to apply so much pressure or, um, or place a serious tone on, um, something that's so innocent, but it was just an example of, I, I, I could not, pass up the opportunity to expand upon it. And um, as I've already mentioned, uh, the first one that um, just automatically when I watched it is that you don't make people of lesser skill set an opponent because you don't win awards competing against people. And when I say of lesser skill set, that's even people who are unaware, right? Ignorance Uh, can make you a lesser opponent. So people who are unaware, um, people who have a lesser skill set, people who are not um, privy to the same information, right? I could could go on and on and on again how we place um, innocent, people who are innocent um, in postures and positions of um, playing an opponent and they're not even aware of the fact that there is a game taking place, right? Um, or that there is something playing out in society that they are completely and totally ignorant of, right? Um, you don't win awards for that. You absolutely unequivocally do not win awards for that. And um, and secondly, when um, I seen the video, the second construct that popped up in my mind is that um, we do not compete. Um, mothers don't compete against daughters, right? Um, that we don't compete against our offspring. It's unnatural and it's unhealthy, right? Um, and so the part where I see how serious she is, 
um, it placed an, another narrative on me. Um, because I, like I said, I, it, it's not total, I cannot, um, so there is some dialogue, uh, the caption pops up, but it doesn't sound the same as, um, so I don't know if she's saying this is nuts or she's nuts, but I think she's saying this is nuts. And it, for me, it is just the, um, the looking up and recognizing that the opponent is her daughter. Right. And like, why, number one, why would I compete against my daughter? Why would I be in such a serious posture, right. To compete against my daughter. And then if, um, if my offspring is on the other side of me, right. Then, um, automatically to build, um, her confidence, I would throw the match. Right. Um, because the skill set is off. And so nobody competes to death against their offspring. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so um, that was the, the second construct. Um, you, you don't, there is absolutely no awards, number one, no awards to be won making opponents of people who have a lesser skill set people who are unaware um, that you've made them an opponent, right? And then people who are unaware that there is a tennis match taking place, right? That there is a volley and a serve taking place, um, that there is even a match, right? Um, that is unfolding. And so, and then the third construct um, that we, um, that I think is really, really essential in today's society is that um, if you look at them, they have on the same outfit, like they have on matching outfits. They're 20, right? Um, but obviously one has a more mature body than the other. The Obviously one has more expertise than the other. And obviously one is serious and one is not, right? And that that says so many different, uh, uh, that just, that sets a tone and a precedence for, um, so many different, um, areas of functionality. Right. And, um, for me, right. Um, what it brings to mind is, um, once my platform or, um, uh, so there are a lot of people that have a, have an MBA, right. Um, some people that have an MBA, they they went to a school that was a 12 or 14 month MBA. Some people went to a school that was a two year MBA. Some people uh, went to a school where the MBA was a um, self study, self paced, right? MBA. Um, some people went to a school where there uh, there there's so many different type of MBA programs, right? Um, they um, earn the MBA, uh, via virtual classroom. Some people, um, earned an MBA in the classroom. Um, but here is where, for me, um, where the dividing forces take place on people who are establishing themselves as experts and collecting 
credentials, right? Um, it's not only do I have an MBA, but I have 20 plus years of experience, vast experience um, to support that I don't um, just um, walk to a table or into the room with theoretical knowledge, but I have experiential knowledge um, that I've applied um, concepts and theoretical uh, understanding to um, before my MBA and then was able to reapply after my MBA once I um, developed my level of educational maturity in that area. And so again, we, me and someone can look alike, right? Um, this person may have an MBA and this other person may have an MBA, but what sets the precedence is, is their experience and, and hear me. Um, so my age makes a lot of difference, right? So it's about what skill set of a person do you need, um, to enter into that particular project. Right. And so, um, there's a, my younger counterpart, right. Um, would be an entry level individual. Um, and then myself would be a person, uh, that they needed this level of expertise. Right. Um, and so as a, uh, a human resources professional, um, part of what, um, my job was in the workforce development was to not only, uh, when people, um, only had the theoretical, was to find ways to train them so that they could have the application um, uh, so that we could develop them career-wise, right? Career development so that they could also begin to apply um, in safe environments, right? You know, that's my one of my favorite uh, terms, in safe spaces where they could develop that skill set and, um, and still have the innocence of the moment prior to them applying that expertise to real human beings, right? That's the purpose of workforce development. Um, and so um, that is, that is the, that is what uh, mentee, uh, mentee mentorship is supposed to look like, right? Um, and that's another conversation and so. Um, I was very instrumental in creating a mentorship program for a corporation that, um, I used to work for and, um, one of the fundamental, um, one of the fundamental, uh, concepts that I wanted to unfold in the program is that it was a safe space and not a competitive space, right? Um, because I think it's dangerous when a mentee and a mentor compete. Again, when we're looking at the illustration between Serena Williams and her daughter, one has a much higher skill set and, and much uh, several years of experience, right? Um, and, and I think that's, I think it's dangerous and I could, I think it's, it's demoralizing, right. Um, for mentee and mentor to compete. And so it should be a safe space to develop, uh, a skill set with 
um, there being no emotional, psychological, physical, um, educational harm to any of the individuals involved. And I think that people who camouflage themselves as mentors, but really um, want op opponents, right? Or uh, want to um, uh, continue to bring some grandeur, right, to their brand by uh, claiming people as mentees and then demoralizing them on platforms and saying, oh, um, uh, the, this, uh, I'm training this individual or I'm teaching this person submission or um, you have to be willing to be taught. You have to have a teachable spirit. It is a very toxic and cantankerous uh, way to mentor somebody. Um, and so, uh, I had a conversation on here before, um, did I, did I make the introduction, um, about, uh, so this is the making of the mogul podcast and, uh, we are a derivative of a live research study that I conducted on Curtis 50 cent Jackson about his matriculation into leadership as a media mogul. And so we did a book study, a digital book study on Facebook um, in a private format on his book, Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. And once um, we stopped doing the book study, the people continued to want to um, have some discourse about the blueprint of Curtis Jackson. And so... Um, I created this platform, a public platform, um, which is a safe space, not just for business professionals, because this is a business podcast. And of course, I always apply, make it um, biblical um, a, with a biblical perspective uh, because I'm a pastor. Um, and, and why would I bring to this platform a worldly view, right? When I live my life by biblical principles. And so a lot of times there is no line of demarcation for me um, between my my biblical principles and how I do business, um, which is which is my point. Uh, and so uh, I have begun. This will be my first year doing a mentee program for a young lady. And so why I don't have the time to. Um, to expand upon and do a full-blown mentee program for several young ladies. I am looking for one specific uh, young lady where I have the ability to mentor her. And, um, and it's, I, I think it's so crucial. I want women and mothers and parents to understand that there are a lot of people out there who want to mentor your children um, because it, 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 it provides a platform for them to buffet themselves and to puff themselves up and to, to give grandeur to themselves. Um, and I think it's, it's dangerous, right? I think it's a dangerous concept. Um, and, um, and so I'm excited about mentoring this young lady this summer and um, that's what I wanted to talk about. 
and I wanted to make sure that um, I entered into this space. Again, it is a safe space. And what I was, um, what I was, the thought that I did not um, have the ability, um, the, the thought that I interrupted as I was talking and I said, this is, this is a safe space. Um, it is not just a safe space for, um, for business professionals, but it's a safe space for the person that we're talking about, right? So we've created a platform around a public figure. And I say this in my documentary that I've started about credits 50 Cent Jackson, it is essential when people allow us to peer into their lives and they lend us their celebrityism without, there's no way that, I mean, people are aware of this platform. And, um, and so there's no way that I would create this platform and then use Curtis as a target for everything that I feel like he's done incorrectly, right? For the past, he entered into the music industry around the same time that I entered into the real estate industry. I think he was 19 when he entered into the music industry and I was 21 um, um, when I entered into the real estate industry. And um, there would be no way that I would create this platform and then use him for target practice. Absolutely no way. It would be unprofessional. Um, it would be immoral. It would be demoralizing. Um, and it would be uncouth. And again, I don't understand how people operate like that, but this is something that has been going on for years in every sector, um, whether it's the church, whether it's entertainment, whether it's corporate America, whether it's, um, it, it happens in every sector, right? Um, for people who potentially um, need to maintain a, re a relevance. Um, and so it brings me to my next subject when we're talking about um, secession planning and um, people who are preparing to retire or have enough tenure in their respective fields um, to retire, um, I think it is an excellent opportunity that we continue to tap the wisdom um, of those individuals and that we create a program where our retirees can plug back into um, companies to serve as mentors for the next up and coming managers, executives, um, professionals, um, uh, frontline professionals, so that we continue to maintain um, the integrity of the workforce and not lose the skill set that certain um, age groups brought to the table. For example, I talk highly a lot about baby boomers. And um, one of the, um, and, and again, so I have a human resources background um, and, it, and it's, it's very expansive from um, benefits and payroll to 
um, training and development, succession planning, um, company analysis, workforce analysis. Um, it just it, it's a very it's it's a very vast experience, um, a range of experience as it relates to human resources. And so from a human resources perspective, somebody who sees the generational gap between the skill set of the baby boomers and the skill set of the um, millennials and um, or the Gen Xers, right? Um, what's lost is the what I'm talking about day to day soft skills, day to day integrity. Um, just because of the shifts that happen in society. Now, not only will it allow us to transfer the skill set from the baby boomers, um, and so my generation is now retiring, right? And the baby boomers have some of them have re-entered the workforce, but in different in different areas. But my age group is now retiring. And so um so what what did not um transfer into the up and coming current workforce is some of those things that um it's difficult to write a training program. And so while I've written some training programs on soft skills, um you can teach soft skills, um, but you have to impart um, uh, human interaction or impart compassion, right? You impart compassion, you teach soft skills, and part of soft skills is compassion. One of them can be taught and then the other one has to be imparted, right? And mentorships allows that impartation to take place, right? Um, and so I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about uh, pulling together some new programs uh, for mentorship and succession planning and things of that nature. And um, it, I, I think we're in a uh, particular time period, uh, particularly since I've opened up this space um, about human capital. I've seen some of the, I, I haven't seen a lot of conversation about it, um, but I think it's opened up a, a space, a public space to have some of those diff difficult conversations um, so that we don't find ourselves having so many of those conversations behind closed doors. Um, because it, just something as simple as um, mentorship should not be a tool to elevate yourself, right? Um, while we see it as common sense, it's one of those difficult conversations in the elephant in the room that nobody ever talks about, right? Um, and then... Um, um, uh, the difference between impartation and, um, training and development, right? Um, that's a, that's another piece. And then I think, um, 
as it relates to certain spaces, another conversation that's been difficult to have is um, this global conversation. So I opened up um, a conversation on, and all of this is business related, right? This is a business podcast. So I opened up a conversation the other day. Um, I think it was on social media about globalization. Um, a lot of people are for it. Some people are for it. A lot of people against it. And so what does globalization... So nobody enforced globalization. Social media made globalization happen whether we wanted it to or not, right? Um, um, and so now that it's here, we have to find a way to address it so that um, so that we can find the warm and fuzzy parts of globalization. And, and so what are we talking about when we say globalization? So when we talk about globalization and somebody hears about Ukrainians relocating to a specific area, right? Um, while that used to happen um, before social media um, entered into spaces, it's a lot easier now for it to take place because someone can send a social media note and say, um, I know a person who lives in this particular area um, and they need to be relocated to the States and somebody can very much um, end up from Ukraine in um, Kentucky, right? Um, and, and while that's a far distance geographically, social media closes that space, right? Um, and so now there's some conversations that we have to start having. And so I've been having conversations about globalization for a long time, probably a minimum of... Ooh. maybe 12 years I've been having this conversation about globalization um, and nobody really was listening. And the reason why it was a reality for me was because I'm a young lady from the urban cities of Ohio, right? Small town, urban, uh, in an uh, urban area in a small town in Ohio and globalization was a reality for me um, in elementary school, right? With having um, immigrants in classrooms. And I remember, I think I was in the sixth grade and a young lady was, um, she English was a second language for her. She was from Cambodia or from the Philippines. And she basically was in elementary school to learn grammar. Um, but when we left from sixth grade, 
while me and my peers were moving on to the seventh grade, um, she was she was getting her GED and she was going to community college, right? Um, and so I, I remember understanding that, right? And how um, that was uh, unusual for me, right? As a sixth grader, um, understanding that there was somebody who was in my classroom that was um, 16 years old, right? Um, and was not and was skipping the educational process to get a GED so that she could enter the workforce to help support her family, right? Um, That's when globalization was a reality for me, but I didn't know it was globalization. But it really was, it was what helped me to understand that I had the ability to impact change in countries and geographical regions that I did not necessarily um, have a formal training to interact in, right? Um, And so um, I was one of those young ladies that helped to tutor her for reading and writing and English and things of that nature. So it made it, it had an impact on my life. And so when I had the opportunity to start doing business with corporations um, that were outside of the United States, it was not a, um, it was not a, it, 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 it was not like a new paradigm for me. It wasn't something that I seen as impossible because I used to tutor a young lady from the Philippines when I was in elementary school. So why as an adult, right? Did I not have the ability to help corporations to navigate um, the constructs and and business uh, models, right? In the U.S. to bring their... um, corporations here, right? And and I had the skill set in real estate. So why couldn't I do that, right? Um, it, it just was not an impossibility for me. Now here's the thing. Um the, there's here's where I'm leading with this conversation. So while I've been having this conversation about globalization for a long time. I finally see the realization of it amongst some of my peers, right? Um, But is it globalization if we're using it as a tool, again, to elevate ourselves or to create opportunities to elevate people, in spaces that should be occupied by global citizens, right? Um, And um, I'm gonna stop there, right? Um, there's There's more to that conversation, 
but I think we've talked about a lot today, particularly around the area of mentorship, mentee, um, mentee mentor relationships, and um, what else did we impact today as far as discourse? How did we open up this conversation about the Serena and um, Serena Williams and her daughter about the video? And so when we talk about Serena Williams um, versus her daughter, we're talking about in a parent relationship, right? Like a real relationship um, where the two, like I, I can have a digital mentor, right? Um, that I, that I don't touch or see or have conversations with. Um, that's one thing. Um, but we're talking about a, a tangible relationship, right? Between a mother and a daughter, because there, there's, um, so mentorship, uh, there's a lot of different components to it. Um, but today we're talking about tangible relationships, right? Um, and we don't make people opponents that have left skill set or unaware of the fact that they have been made an opponent. Usual, just usual and customary ways of engagement. We don't do that. Um, it is crazy, right? Um, and, and the video really just is an illustration of how crazy it is, right? But um, it's something that's been taking place in society the past um, several years, and somebody has to sound the alarm and say, this is, this is nuts, um, and it has to stop because it's detrimental, um, and um, this is not how we interact with people in public spaces, or this is not how we uh, engage people, right? Like we don't make people opponents to get their attention, right? That, that's just just the usual and customary ways of engagement, right? Um, if, um, and again, this platform is all about Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. I wouldn't create this platform on him and then use him as, um, as a target for my toxicity, right. And what's, what all is, um, happening in the world that, you know, and, and he be that example, right. That derogatory example of everything. Um, that's, that's, that's not normal. Right. And it, that needs to be said. And so while, um, in this space and in reality TV, um, has opened up a door and an opportunity for us to look into and to peer into the lives of others. Um, it is important for us as human beings to understand if we decide to do a live research study and use someone publicly um, to talk about that it is our responsibility to do that with candor, with respect, and with honor. Um, and, and again, I keep saying there's these things we learn in pre-K that we totally throw out the window once we become adults that, but we learned everything we needed to know in pre-K. And that is, if you don't have nothing good to say, you just don't say it. And so how does it add to the intellectual conversation 
or how does it move society forward? Or how are you solving a problem? And you don't need to solve problems in other people's lives. You need to solve a problem in the world or you need to solve a problem in your own life, right? Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that um, very intentionally because I think it's important while, um, while, we, while I've created this platform to be very intentional about saying that um, not, not just, I've, I've done a lived research study on Donald Trump as well. And, and it's easy to make Donald Trump a target, right? It could be very easy to make him a target. But again, we don't use people as platforms and then talk about everything negative that they've done. It's unhealthy for society. It's unhealthy for communities. It's unhealthy for the children of those people. Um, and it just does not move society forward. And so um, there is a amount of... Uh, responsibility that we have to society to do things um, with some respectable candor. All right. And so this is uh, Tanola Oliver, and this is the Make Another Mogul podcast. And um, until we see each other again, live in the overflow. Shalom. Oh, don't forget, don't forget. How did I forget? Um, if you want to purchase, you know that we own and operate a bakery. If you like to purchase one of our delectable pies, cheesecakes, um, our Branson cognac, strawberry ice cream, um, then I encourage you to visit www.thecandyshop. And shop is S-H-O-P-P-E dot club, C-L-U-B. Um, and um, order one of those uh, delectable treats. All right. Um, until we see each other again, live in the overflow. Shalom.